real this time? All right. Good morning, church. My name is Kelly Cisco. I'll be your worship guide this morning. Do have a few announcements. Um, we would like to thank all of those who volunteered their time yesterday to help make our church beautiful inside and out. We had, um, I counted 26 adults and children. So great turnout. And if anyone saw a pair of white sunglasses, those are missing. And if you can just turn them into the office, that would be appreciated. Um, recording of today's service is both on YouTube and Facebook. The recordings of today's service may not be available until Monday or Tuesday. The next Lillian Faith Circle meeting is Tuesday, May 9th at 10 a.m. Final plans will be made for the Mother's Day, May 14th, and the rummage sale, which is the May 19th and 20th. There will also be an election of officers. Ministry table will meet this Saturday, May 13th at 9 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. On May 21st, two of our young people, Ayu Malba and Camilla Nimley, will be confirmed. This will also be Youth Sunday, and we will have a baptism. And then today's altar flowers provided by Jeannie and Gary Hinkle. Will you please quiet your hearts now for the lighting of the candles?
joining me in the call to worship. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us a kingdom, a priest to serve his God. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Look, he is coming in the clouds. Even those who pierced him. So shall it be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Who is and was and who is to come, Almighty. Let us join together in the congregational prayer. Almighty God, from everlasting to everlasting, you are the same. Though the worries of this world sometimes feel so important to us, we take our power and glory are yours. We glorify your name and champion your work to all the earth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, at this time in the service, we're going to invite David Cootie to come up. He's going to be sharing with us a very special ministry moment. Uh, and that is about the Liberian Student Scholarship that uh, we've done in the past. We are doing again, and he's going to tell you all the details about that. Come on up, David. Good morning, church. My name is Dave Akuti, and for this morning's mission moment, I'm going to share with you briefly about the Liberian Children's Scholarship Program. The scholarship was established here over a decade ago under the leadership of Pastor Jim Meredith. It has been sustained over the years through the general donation of members of this church and others outside the UUMC family. For us as United Methodists, Jesus illustrated giving every day of his life, and we as United Methodists are called to mirror that behavior, the behavior of giving. The gift of giving it's the deep commitment to provide whatever resources are needed to support God's will and God's plan. One of the unique and defining factors of the United Methodist Church is that we are connectional. We are connected. Connectional, that is all of us giving together. Connectional giving. And that enables us to fuel or fund our ministry and enable us to share the concern of many people here at home and around the globe. This idea is grounded in our need to give in order to be spiritually healthy and completely be the children of God. The United Methodist Church giving structure and shows that the generosity we display blesses as many people as possible in a sustainable and strategic manner. And I can assure you, standing before you this morning, that your gifts and your donation over the years to the scholarship funds have blessed many, many Liberian families and scholarship recipients to receive education that otherwise could not have happened. Your generosity not only provided financial relief, it also provided education and spiritual consciousness that people were asking, who are these people that are giving to us and don't even know us? They're asking, what have we done to deserve this kindness from the GUMC family? This church family has planted seeds and will continue to plant seeds and win souls for Christ for many years to come. These gifts have impacted many lives and will continue to impact the local community in Liberia in which the scholarship is awarded 
in the Republic of Liberia as a whole. So on behalf of the scholarship recipients, the many families in Liberia, children who have benefited from our scholarship and from your donation, their parents and Liberian people at large, I say thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your donations. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your concerns. Thank you for your support. And most importantly, thank you for your agape love that you've shown these people who are recipients of the scholarship in Liberia. Some of whom you may never see. Some of whom the path and your path may never cross. But yet, you're giving your hard-earned money, your hard-earned currency, on their behalf. In similar vein, I will want to admonish all of us here today. I want to plead, I want to beg, I want to encourage, I want to admonish you to please continue giving to the program so that it does not end abruptly. If it does, the impact will be immense, it will be disastrous, it will be chaotic and our lives will be altered in a negative way. In a few days, a team comprised of three people will be traveling to Liberia to determine the viability of the program and to possibly interview new candidates for possible scholarship based on the level of funding that will be received. Please pray for safe travel for the team members, scholarship recipients, and all stakeholders of the program. Again, I thank you for your past donation, and thank you in advance for your current and future donation. As you give, please give cheerfully, for God loves a cheerful giver. God bless you. Thank you, David. And just a few last things to wrap up that uh, well-spoken, but you want to let you know that on the back table back here, there are scholarship forms. And so if you say, hey, you know what? I want to just change the altar of somebody's life across the world uh, and do something amazing. You can do that here today. Uh, this year, just know uh, the scholarship amount that you give, had, the suggested amount is up a little bit. Uh, so we went from what it was last year to now $140. Uh, for those who had ever given in the past, you were sent a letter, uh, just reminding you, you know, because a lot of you like to support that same child and actually see them grow up uh, year after year and graduate one day and uh, start their healthy life. So uh, if you did get a letter, do you know that that uh, printed number that was in there is wrong? It should have said 140 is the, the average suggested uh, gift. But uh, of course, anything that you give will go to the children and go to, uh, to help these scholarships happen. Again, if you've never been part of the program, there's some sign-up sheets just right over there. You'll see the American flags. Uh, and our cross on that table, there's a little form right there. All you do is fill it out. Uh, we do need the money sometime about early uh, July. So we don't have a date quite set yet on that, but uh, just know that just kind of plan on, even if you know you want to give, maybe don't have it yet, but uh, you know that by early July you could, you're welcome to, uh, to do that and still fill it out. Let us know that, uh, that that's coming in. So again, well, we thank David. We're going to be praying for David. They're going to be leaving here at the end of May. So two weeks from now, uh, you all could plan on being here. It's going to be Youth Sunday as well, but we're going to pray over David and uh, pray that uh, God uses him and others to just bless and continually take these gifts that are given, sow them for the kingdom to do amazing work and to truly alter not only lives, but really, really communities of educated young people going into their communities and making a difference in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah for that. Well, at this time, we're going to be going to the Lord in a time of prayer. I do you want to mention, as always, we have printed in your bulletin uh, the prayer request for the week. We also do want to just mention, if you have a prayer request, you're always able to send it into our email. You can see it printed up there. It's groveportumc, or sorry, prayer at groveportumc.org. And then finally, uh, I want to mention again, just those that are printed in our bulletin. And for the most part, we are up to date. Uh, we do, of course, want to send our sympathy still to the family of Joyce Dillo, the friend of Angela Martin, and her family of her passing, and so we pray for them. We do uh, continue to lift up those prayer concerns you see listed there as well as those in long-term care. So we lift up Evelyn, Hannah, Jack, Carol, Annabelle, Charlotte, Bette, Reverend Meredith, 
and Kay. We also lift up those in active military service. So we pray for Jake, Nicole, Bishop, Brandon, Parker, Justin, and James. And finally today, the altar rails are open. So if you want to come meet with God, you're welcome to do that. Some friends may come along and put their hand alongside you and on your shoulder, let you know that you don't have to come to this altar alone, that we're here for each other and with each other. Let's now go to the Lord in a time of prayer. O Lord, our God, who was and is and is yet to come, God, truly you are the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That even though sometimes we feel like our path goes in windy directions and spirals and sometimes even goes out of control, God, with your power, it's never too late to be set right on the good path, to make straight a highway for you and to once again follow your ways. As we, your people, are here today, we come into your presence, knowing that not of ourselves are we worthy, but because of Jesus Christ and sacrifice for us. We celebrate that news, the news of Jesus Christ coming to us, dying on the cross, being risen on the third day, and that, Lord, the gift of the Holy Spirit empowers your church all these years and does today as well. May your Holy Spirit again live not only inside our hearts, but overwhelm sort of the cups of our souls, so to speak, that we would just be constantly splishing and splashing over your love to others. And God, and sometimes that's hard to see how we can do that, and sometimes it's super easy. And so, Lord, as we pray today, that communities around the world would just be splashed with your love by what we can do. As we hear God, we do again remember this message, the message of your love, the message of your grace, and redemption, that shame could be no more, that sin and guilt and even death itself has no victory over us, that we are yours. And you've adopted us as sons and daughters, children of the God, children of the King. We celebrate this great news, and we want all others that we ever come in contact with to hear that and to know it for themselves. God, as we're here, we remember these things, and not only that, but we remember that we are in a hurting world, and so we use the biggest power we know. We come to your throne, and we lay before your throne the cares of this world, those concerns that hurt and are harm, and the burdens that we carry. So God, as we're here today, we lift up those that are going through hard times all, each and every way. We especially pray for those who mourn the loss of a loved one, that even in this moment, their hearts yearn and mourn. We pray for them, Lord, to be comforted, that your Holy Spirit could well up in them goodness and the memories of their loved one, and that, God, you would get that hope that once again, eternal life is in you, and the hope that we will meet again one day. Place that in their hearts. Lord, we pray for those who are sick, those who have upcoming surgeries, those that are recovering, those, Lord, that just 
feel icky, don't even know why. We pray especially for the colds and flus that seem to be going around and putting a lot of people at ill. We pray, Lord, for those who just keep going back to the doctors without answers and know that their body's not right, can't find out why. Lord, once again, we remember your power as the holy healer, that all creation bows down to you. So when even our bodies go awry, Lord, you are able to speak and bring healing to our life. We ask that once again. God, as we're here, we lift up those. We lift up also those that are struggling with many other things, whether it be any type of addiction, and the struggling of putting those, those enmity in, all those evilness out of our life. Whether, Lord, it's about financial struggles or worried about job or job switching, whether it's about just being in relationships that are broken, whether it's being far apart from loved ones, for those that journey or even across the world, for safe travels for them. God, we pray for all these prayer requests that come before you each and every week. We pray for those that come here today to seek your special blessing, Lord, be upon each of them. Whatever the desire of their heart is, Lord, we know you can answer it. We know you can do amazing things. So God, work in their life. That their hallelujahs can be heard across the world because of what you've done for them. God, we lift up our first responders. We lift up our military. We lift up this world that is increasingly seems like just plagued with violence. God, once again, we pray that the message of Jesus Christ could reach all, that peace could reign, that all life could be cherished, that wars would cease, that people in power would serve, and that, God, this world would be better for all. We pray for your church, and we pray for this church to always, once again, lift up the name of Jesus Christ to tell this story each and every week, throughout the week, with our lives and our words that other people could know of your love. Finally, God, we pray the prayer that marks us as your followers. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, uh, we receive, we'll receive our Sunday offering. There are several ways you can give. We will be passing the plates here momentarily, but you can also go online to the Ezekiel app. Um, and give through that way or mail a check uh, to here to 512 Main Street. Will the ushers please come forward?
You are an abundant God, and out of your great mercy, you have given us so much. We give you this offering today. With it, we worship you and give our whole selves to you. Please now take it and use it for your kingdom and your glory. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Scripture passage comes from Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited him, it to him as righteousness. 
This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. And hello to those online as well. Welcome to our service. It's great to be in worship with you as uh, we are uh, approaching. You know, May is one of the busiest months. I don't know if you ever figured this out, but it is busy. And there's so many good holidays. And alas, we have to wait a whole nother year for May the 4th to be with you. I, you know, it was a good one, though. I hope you lived it up to it. We had uh, many Star Wars shirts going on in my house, many uh, helmets were worn and all that good stuff. But uh, I do have to share with you before we start our sermon today that uh, you may not know this, but my wife and I are secret agents. I know I probably should have told you that because now I have to kill you. But uh, we went on a secret mission this week for our family, and so we've got the four of us. And this uh, secret mission was called Operation Puppy Acquisition, and we wanted to share a picture with you of our new puppy. So here's our puppy. Maybe. He looks great, doesn't he? <laughs> All right, we're good. The puppy has eaten the cords. It's all good. This is the best sermon ever, isn't it? I know you love it. <laughs> you like the sermon? Let's go. Here we go. Oh, sneak peek. Sneak peek. There he is. Aww. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to introduce you to Hobbs, our dog, Hobbs. Spelled exactly like Calvin and Hobbs from the uh, cartoon. So, uh, if my little son calls him Snowdrop, just let him be. But he's Hobbs, right? And so this is our new dog. So, eight weeks old, and uh, we were happy, and uh, I have many bite marks already over certain things, and uh, we're having a good time at our house. But I uh, wanted to share you the, with you the newest family of the man family household with you. Uh, let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're kind of, sort of, maybe in a sermon series, vaguely. Yay, I think, right? <laughs> and basically, we're just doing uh, uh, some of Jonathan's favorite passages of Scripture. And of course, uh, many of them, you know, we all probably have different favorite Scriptures, but this one is one of my favorites, and it's less because of just because it is than it is about the fact that it's meant so much in my life. And uh, I've told you this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's worth telling again, and uh, maybe hopefully you know someone maybe going through hard times that this helps out with. Uh, but I want to just focus real quick on the scripture, what's going on. It's a simple enough story, and that is there's a guy named Abram. He has a wife, Sarai, and uh, they've been part of a family. They've actually come all the way from basically, like you think, uh, modern-day Iraq in the land of Ur, they got up and left with their family, and, and actually it was his father that took them up. They went to a place called Haran, which is kind of like Syria, maybe like southern Turkey kind of area if you want to get into that. And they stayed there, and then God actually called Abram out of there. And Abram got up and took with him his wife, took with him his nephew Lot, and took with him all his people, and got up and left. And the promise was, hey, go to this land I will show you, and you will have it for your descendants. Abram got up and started doing this. And sure enough, God shows up at one point, and at this point of the story, and God basically says, hey, you are going to give birth to a son. Now, the important part to realize about this is Sarai and Abram are way too old to have a son, a child of any kind. This is just not physically impossible. It's clear, even though we don't know the exact age, it's clear in Scripture, they cannot have children. Like, this is a miracle work of God. And the amazing thing was, is when Abram heard the promise, it says in Scripture, as we just read it, he believed. Right? Just think about how audacious that is for a minute. He believed the Lord. And then it says in those words, I love these words, it was credited to him as righteousness. I love that. You see, sometimes God is up to something so big, there's no reason why when you look at it from a human point of view, you should have any inkling to want to believe it. But God is something up to so big, something so big and so grand that all of a sudden you just know that you are in his hands if his promise is going to go true. And he says, walk this way. And you go, this looks nice over here, Lord. And God goes, nope, you're walking this way. And God said, you go, but Lord. And he goes, nope, you're walking this way. And so you start walking this way, right? 
And then all of a sudden, just the unfolding of the blessings of life come, and you just see God at work and do amazing things. And so a quick story that I have for you to hear today is, uh, so I've told you how in my own walk with Christ, uh, August 11, 1996 was a really big day, because it was really truly the day where, you know, I kind of grew up in church, and, you know, I was kind of eh about church and all that stuff. But then I went on this retreat, and I really heard the gospel kind of presented, and, and I gave my life to Christ that night. I remember the night. It was Unicoi State Park in Georgia. I remember, you know, all the people that were there. I remember the moment. I remember, you know, as Wesley said in his own, one of his own ways, encounters with God, he said, my heart was strangely warmed. I experienced something very similar to that, right, in my own life. And I started following Christ, doing all those things. But that doesn't mean there weren't trials and tribulations, right? And so that was in high school. That was actually when I was just entering in as a freshman in high school when that uh, happened. I believe that in 1996, I was in high school, y'all. Yeah, that's right. I know you, all you young people are like, you're too old to ever have been in high school. But it's true. It's true. I was at one time. But, uh, and then in junior year in high school, by the time I got to junior year, uh, life had beat me up a bit, you know? I don't know if you ever had that happen where just things don't go right. All sorts of stuff goes haywire and uh, things that maybe from your past that uh, never quite emotionally you dealt with kind of sneak up and catch up on you all of a sudden. And Anyway, so I had this kind of like, I guess, I don't know, quarter-life crisis? I don't know, what would you call it? When you're 20-something and this happens, right? But I had this sort of just crisis of life and really crisis of faith even. I mean, it cut me to the core where I basically, you know, got to the point where, look at this, I believe that there was a God, totally believe that, didn't doubt that for a minute, but I couldn't believe God was good. I just looked at what was going on in my life and all the different things, and then, like, I really got to the point where I was like, I, I've experienced you. I know you are real, right? I believe that. But where I'm at in my life right now, like, I can't see how you're good. And so there was a moment where I, there was a time in my life where I actually kind of walked away from the faith. I don't think I went out and just started partying or being crazy or anything like that. Like, I literally just tried to live a moral, good, quote-unquote, life apart from God for some, in some effort. Of course, I learned that was utterly futile, all right? You just, you can't do it. I mean, it doesn't work out for you at all. But I remember this deep yearning of always wanting to believe how good God was again. And guess when I experienced my call to ministry? It wasn't in the good times. It was in those moments, right? And I remember this. It's like out of the movies, you know? I, 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 I It was clear as day. I remember I was actually dating someone at the time, and I was just really unsettled and all these different things. And I remember she told me, she's like, you need to go lock yourself up in your room. You need to, like, close the door, and you need to figure out your life. Because, like, you just, you're an emotional mess right now. Like, you, you just, you go figure it out. Come call me when you're done. You know, kind of, <laughs> right? And so I did. You know, I went, and I, and I, you know, got myself in, the, in my bedroom, and I was just sitting there. And I remember it was, it was out of the movies. It was, I got off the shelf my Bible, right? Now, this was the Bible, like, when I started following Christ, I would write in. I had highlighted all the stuff. So I had, like, the beat-up cover edges that were barely hanging on by the duct tape kind of thing, you know. That Bible, right? Bible I'd really experienced God through, covered with dust, literally. I mean, it was just out of the movies. I literally had to pick the book up and go, right? <laughs> this big cloud of dust rolled off the, the Bible. And I remember, uh, you know, opening it up, and I just said, all right, I don't know what's going on, Lord. I'm at my wit's end. Like, again, I'm at the end of myself. Like, here I am what you want, <laughs> you know, and so I opened the, the, you know, believing God is real, but still having this horrible, you know, horrible inner kind of conversation with myself is how can I believe in that God is good, and I remember uh, I opened up to this passage, and I already told, you know, some people, I was like, you know, like, they're like, what do you want to do with your life, you know, because I'm a junior, you're supposed to have this all figured out by your junior year, you know, and I thought I did, and then I didn't, and I felt this, this pull to go into ministry, and I was telling people about it, and people were like, yeah, but how are you going to do that <laughs> right? with your faith walk? Like, how's that going to work out, right? I mean, think of the, odd, like the, the craziness of someone who believes in a God that doesn't even believe they're good and then being called in the ministry to go serve that God. Ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. And yet that night I remember reading this story, and I remember sitting there in my own heart and just, you know, God sort of speaks to you, and, you know, and my words that I would kind of express it even though I couldn't even express it in words was, was just kind of this idea of like, yeah, I'm calling you. You will find no rest anywhere else. You can try to do any job you want to under the sun. You are going to be in this inner turmoil. Because I've called you to go and preach. And, and I just felt it. I knew it in the heart, my heart of hearts. I knew it was just deep down in the seat of my bones. Like I couldn't, couldn't get rid of it. And I just was like, well, God, how's that going to work out exactly? <laughs> you know, because how do you preach about a God you don't believe is good? It just doesn't, doesn't jive, right? 
And so I remember him just showing me this passage once again, and I remember reading those words of Abram being promised without having any inkling that God was going to do something, right? That, that any inkling that it could happen in his own volition, of any inkling that anything could, could be done about it other than just trusting in God, he believed. And it was credited to righteousness. Now, those who know the Bible, this happens in Genesis chapter 15, the first book of the Bible. Within the first 15 chapters, and the whole rest of the book, it's set apart, Right? And even today, when you go across the different face of the world, you talk about Christianity, you talk about Judaism, and you talk about Islam, and all three point back to guess who? Abraham, who became Abraham and Sarah. Right? Because God fulfilled the promise. God did amazing things. And then all of a sudden, great nations came out of them. And it's enough that when I mean, God just took them out and said, look at the stars, right? Yeah, I know you have no children now, but look at them. That's going to be your future. Well, that night, I, I did the crazy, audacious thing, right? I put my faith. I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to do this. So actually, I was playing lacrosse at the time. You know, I used to play lacrosse for Georgia. I dropped out of lacrosse and <laughs> started going over to the church and helping out wherever I could and just kind of doing whatever little things I could. And slowly and slowly, God formed this mold of clay. You know, a moment I was just having a minute ago when we were singing some of our songs, you know. Uh, well, we weren't singing. It was actually Nancy playing. But what a friend I have in Jesus. I was just sitting there. I was just thinking about the words, and I was just like, Overwhelmed in my spirit, like, that God is so good, right? That he has been a true friend, like, what a friend he has been to me. You think about that, you know, that story happened about 20 years ago, right? I'm here to testify, you know, like, okay, I don't have children like the stars or something like that, but I can tell you the difference of a broken man who tried all on his own to be good and do all these things and found nothing, coming back to the faith putting that trust in God once again, and how God has led to this moment here today where I can just preach it and testify from my own life, not just from Scripture, but how God has worked in Scripture through my heart and changed it, that God is good. Not only that God is good, that he is a true friend. You know, I don't know what God has necessarily for all of our futures and what God's planning, but I do know this is, believe it's something big, right? You've got to let God form it in your heart, right? God, you know, God, you know, we don't want to act before God. You know, you can't put the cart before the horse kind of thing. God is the one that's going to inspire that vision, but God is not done, right? And as many ministries as we do, this isn't it. God's got more in store for this church. And sometimes it's hard to see, right? Sometimes it's hard maybe in your own life. God's been putting something on your heart for a long time, and you go, how in the world am I going to do that? You know, meeting other pastors and stuff. I've met pastors that just felt all of a sudden they were supposed to start a camp. That was 13 years ago. Guess where they are? There's a camp, right? <laughs> right? No funds, no nothing. There's a camp that does all sorts of ministry because of somebody bit and political. I mean, time after time, you see upon people's heart, God saying something. And it just takes those small first steps of belief. And then God grows this huge entire family out of an old man and an old man. Again, church, God is not done with this church. He's not done with you. He's not done with the people. God's going to do amazing things. We've come a long way, but God is not done yet. God's going to give vision after vision of what this church can continue to be, not only for the people that come here, but for this community and in the world. And God's going to grow it. It's going to be something huge and big, but you got to believe it. Because guess what? If you don't believe it, guess what happens? God waits till you believe it. You gotta believe it. You gotta have faith, not that your eyes see, but faith that your heart sees, faith that your soul sees, faith that you know that you can look back on your life and you see time and time again how God has met you in your time of need to look forward in the future and say, God is gonna walk before me. And God's gonna pave the path before me. Now, if you're waiting for the whole, here's what God has planned for you, well, that's still to, you know, that's to be worked out. The church, God isn't done. God's got great things ahead. But you got to have faith like a child. Faith to just say, the Lord said it, it will be done. So believe, church. As we go forward in the future times of this ministry, whatever those days may hold, believe. Just like Abram did that night. 
Because the truth is, as you read through Scripture, there's only one real requirement to see God work in your life and do amazing things. It's to simply believe and say, yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I want to be part of what you're doing. And even though I don't see it right in front of my eyes, even though there's no evidence that I can point to to say that it's going to happen, I believe it because you said it. You know what? When you read Scripture, the church is supposed to be the church, right? There's a promise there, whether you knew it or not. There's a promise there. Wherever a church is that believes in Jesus Christ, there is a promise and a dream and a future. But you've got to have the faith. You've got to have the vision, again, of the heart and not the eyes. Let us pray. God, as we're here today, it's amazing to think how you worked over in life. And God, all of us could testify, I'm sure, out of our own stories of how, Lord, you've changed our hearts. You've done amazing things. And just, Lord, just by sharing my own testimony a little bit about how the call to ministry happened in my life and how, God, you worked, I hope that hearts in here are just set aflame. That, God, even though who knows what the future holds, you know, for America and the world and all the craziness that goes on and every single thing that we have, it is easy to think that church is on the edge of extinction, as we know it. But God, you are not done. We are a church that believes. We put our faith in you. We put our faith in the fact that you guide our future. And God, as we're here today and we come to this table, we remember that Jesus Christ walked through death itself before he gave this, or as he, after he gave this communion to his disciples. That new life was given. That for those who have faith, New life is given freely. So God, we do remember this great story, not only of your love that was given for us, but of how on the night in which you gave yourself up for us, you took bread, you broke the bread, you gave it to your disciples, you said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, take this, drink from it, every one of you. This is the cup of my new covenant. Pour out for you and for many the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, in remembrance of these mighty acts, and how, Lord, you work through people of faith, and we don't know why or why you choose to do that, but you do it, and amazing things happen. How, God, we can all look at basically Father Abraham in some ways and see how that moment of faith that was trusted in you set the whole course of history as we know it. So as we hear today, God, we remember this, that you ask faith in our own lives, you ask faith of our church as a whole, you ask faith of your people of God to constantly step out, follow the dreams you put in our heart to reach this world for you. May, Lord, you be upon these elements of bread and wine, that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ, that in taking them we may be the body of Christ given for this world. Lord, we pray that you make us one with each other and one in ministry to all the world. So Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. To you, God, Father Almighty, to your Son, Jesus Christ, and by power of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, now and forever. Amen. Just a moment, we'll be taking communion. Just want to say a few things. Uh, I do want to invite the communion stewards to go ahead and come up at this time, so please come forward. As they're coming, just want to let you know a couple different things. Uh, first of all, you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of this denomination. If you're here today and your heart is, I want to seek Jesus Christ, I have faith in Jesus Christ, I want to meet him today, you're welcome to take communion with us. I want to mention to you, uh, what we'll be doing is passing the plates. When they do come around, you just simply take a piece of the bread, just hold on to that bread until everybody's been served. We'll then take the bread together. And of course, we'll do the same with the uh, juice as it's passed around after that. Uh, let us now prepare the table. You are welcome to meet with Jesus.
body of Christ, broken for all of us, we do this in remembrance of him. Church, the blood of Christ, poured out for us and for many, the forgiveness of sins. We drink this in remembrance of him. And let us pray. Lord, Thank you for proving your love toward us again. Amen and amen.
Thank you for being in worship with us once again. Thank you all those who join online. Hello to you again. As we go, I just want to share this uh, benediction from Romans. You thought Abraham was done in the Old Testament. Here he shows up again. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered on, in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. I'm here today, I think God just wants to put on my heart to say, you know, maybe you're on a journey, and maybe you're at a point of your life where you just want to say, you know what, I believe in this God for the very first time. I'm going to put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, I'd share with you what Romans says a little bit later. It simply says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, what an audacious thing to believe. You will be saved. It's as simple as that, folks. May you know the love of God, the Father Almighty, his Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen.